96.7 FM WTOB. You're listening to The Wealth Guardians with Doug Ray, helping you to retire the job and keep the paycheck. I'm your host, Doug Ray, and with me is Bryce Payne. Today, we're talking about, do you have a money bias and how much is it costing you? Hey, Bryce, good morning. Good morning, Doug. How are you doing this fine weekend? I'm wondering if I got a money bias. Uh, well, if we look at the study, we're going to talk about this. A vast majority of us have money biases. I would after, say at least one or two. After reading this article, I was able to identify mine, but I, I had long ago identified my money bias, and it does not work in my favor. Of course, that's the nature of money biases. So we're going to have a good show talking about that this morning. And uh, then in our second segment, Doug, we're going to be talking about how children become part of the retirement discussion. So looking forward to that segment as well. And every weekend, it seems, Doug, we're getting a little bit warmer and uh, this weekend might be an exception to that, but uh, we both have some plans, some trips planned, and I just want to take a moment and uh, get your rundown on what uh, what your upcoming trip is about. Yeah, in May, uh, it's uh, our 42nd anniversary, Sherry and I's 42nd anniversary. Congratulations, and, uh, wow. Two years ago, for our 40th, we were going to spend it in Ireland, but obviously COVID had other ideas. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah so uh, we're finally going to get to go back and uh, visit uh, Ireland. I'm looking so forward to that. Very good. You've been out there before. I've been to Scotland and England when I was in the Navy, but not Ireland. And I am uh, Scotland was absolutely gorgeous, and I'm I'm so ready to go see Ireland too. Well, speaking of being biased, you and I both have some Scott blood in us, so well, yeah. of course we would uh, favor that over over Ireland. But uh, that looks good, and of course I'm getting ready to take a, a little trip of my own. I've got a friend who uh, retired early. <laughs> he was an emergency room doctor, uh, retired at age 50, got himself a 48-foot uh, sailboat, and I'm going to be joining up with him down on at Ecuador and uh, going around the Galapagos with him for yeah. a few for a week there. So I'm really looking forward to that in a couple of weeks. Hey, let me ask you something. Yeah. You know how to swim? A little bit. Okay, good. A little bit. I'll, I'll have my floaties on me. So, But thank you for asking and being concerned. All right, before we get into the segment, let's do our uh, Wealth Guardian salute to all the men and women, our first responders out there, your families, uh, men and women who put on the uniform for the Stars and Stripes. As always, we want to thank you. To all of our listeners out there, we know you sometimes uh, are underappreciated, and uh, we're always in, you're always in our thoughts out here. And Doug, thank you for your service. And Garrett, thank you for your service as well. Doug, let's go ahead and get started on things here. Uh, do you have a money bias? So there was a CNBC article that uh, came out recently that analyzed a recent Morningstar study and found that study interesting. The study found that most of us have at least one money bias, some of us more than one, and uh, that those biases are very possibly costing us money in our checking, savings, and investing in retirement accounts. And uh, I want to just see here if you out there might be impacted by a specific money bias and for strategies to get that back under control. Doug, I, you know, I, I never really thought about it so much, but I think that subconsciously when I sit down with uh, somebody who's come in to do, go through our planning process, they're getting close to retirement and they want our advice as financial planners and as fiduciaries, I've learned to uncover if they have a money bias and i didn't really realize until reading this article that i was doing that but you've been doing this for a lot longer than me there's some really interesting biases here and the key points on this was everyone has different attitudes about money and uh, this new behavioral finance study from morningstar found that 98 percent of respondents exhibited one or more financial bias that's likely costing them money i think that's the nature of a money bias but the first takeaway here doug was understanding the four main biases there is a present bias which is a tendency to go for immediate rewards over long-term goals 
Talk about that one for a second. Do we see that coming in with our with the people who sit down with us? Well, I think so. I mean, I, this one brings to mind this couple we're working with now. Uh, we're about to get them retired. They haven't uh, retired yet, but uh, uh, I was joking around with him. It was so funny. He, he told me, he said, uh, I'll tell my wife this, but when I retire, I'm going to buy myself a new set of uh, PXG irons. And, and for you folks that are non-golfers. <laughs> I didn't know what that was for a second. Now I know what it is. PXG okay. irons are like the most expensive irons you can buy. And he said, you know, I went to hit them one time, and it was like hitting butter. And I go, well, you know, I, I've tried a PXG. And this is when his wife was in front of us. I said, I tried a PXG one time, and I, I tell you, I can hit my Callaways a lot better, and they're a lot cheaper. And he's going, but, oh, I want those PXGs. So, you know, this is uh, th- this is kind of like a immediate gratification. Okay. But on the other hand, it's also he's getting a reward. He's rewarding himself for a long-term goal he's been striving for. And I got no problem with that. You know? No, I, I, I don't either. I'm, I'm wondering if the present biases um, may be leading into that you want immediate rewards for your investment as opposed to planning out for the long-term rewards of an investment. Um, but that's certainly one that, that we do see that from time to time. Uh, the next one, um, understanding the four main biases, the second one was base rate neglect. You, I think you know more about that than I do. So talk about uh, judging the probability of something happening based on new information. So this is where people really start to make mistakes in their investing. Do tell. You, you know, a, a base rate is something that you know that you understand um, and that you've planned around. And then all of a sudden, something changes. There's some news in the headline. Okay. Russia invades Ukraine. And all of a sudden, that makes you want to change whatever you're doing for your long-term investing style. Maybe it scares you to death and you get completely out of the market and you go to cash. So to me, that is one of the biggest uh, mistakes we see in this business that people tend to do is, is they forget about the base, the long-term plan, and they let you know the news of the day uh, just come in and just take over their emotion. Now they're thinking emotionally not logically. And this is going to this is going to uh, result in overselling or overbuying on the whims of the uh, the bad or good news of the day. That's exactly right. Okay, yeah. Um that's that's I do see that one quite a bit actually. And then the third one of the four is overconfidence. Boy, we have seen this. And of mm. course, we can go back to some some keys key stories on this one that you and I have seen putting too much weight in your own abilities to make a good financial decision. A key aspect of that was we had we sat down with a couple, and we've told this story before. Uh, both the uh, husband and the wife had a million dollars. They kept their finances kind of separate, but she had invested hers wisely and was diversified. He put all of his, which was roughly his half was around a million dollars. He put 100% of his into, what was it, Doug? Gold mining stocks. Silver mining, gold mining stocks. And his million dollars was no longer worth a million dollars. How much was it worth when he sat down with us? A couple hundred thousand, I think. 250,000. So he lost three quarters of that because he had overconfidence in his own abilities and he overweighted himself in one particular um, asset. And that is a a mistake that you really don't want to make. You can over-preach the need to be diversified, but you certainly don't want to be overweighted too much in one particular asset. There's a way to be way under-diversified as well. And then the last one, Doug, of the four here was loss aversion. This is mine. I'll be honest. I'll, I'll come out of, the, out of the closet on this one. Loss aversion is my main bias, and I have been overly conservative 
for my own good for years, which I, I think actually might make me a good retirement planner because I understand what makes a good uh, conservative portfolio. But Doug, talk to us about loss aversion and how often we see that. Well, we see it. Uh, just recently, I, I remember a case we were working on. Um, this gentleman had uh, $1.7 million sitting in cash. Uh, he told us that in 2008, he lost half of his money. It scared him to death. Uh, then by 2012, he'd gotten back to even, so he went all to cash. He's been in cash yep. ever since. And he says, oh, I realize I made such a huge mistake. I'd probably have 3 or $4 million now. But that happens out there. And, you know, one of the things that um, you have to understand is the market doesn't always go straight up. It goes down. And one of the things that I'm proud of in our practice is we protect people against the downside of the market. So we do have um, – uh, the ability to kind of take away this uh, loss aversion bias, if you will. And we've got some upcom- upcoming seminars coming up as well. Talk to us about that. Yeah, back is our uh, Social Security workshop. This has been a favorite for probably 10-plus years. Uh, it is going to be in April, Thursday, April the 21st at 630, uh, right out here in Clemens in the Broy Hill. And then again on Tuesday, April the 26th, uh, so if you are interested in optimizing your Social Security, trying to figure out how to get hundred or $150,000 over your life expectancy, more than you otherwise would, you ought to attend this workshop. Call us at 336-391-3409, or you can go on thewealthguardians.com, hit the event tab, and register right there. And uh, as you said, Doug, it is one of the most popular seminars that we do on a yearly basis, uh, so it does fill up. But if you don't have time, if one of those dates doesn't uh, work for you, you can still always just give us a call at our office and schedule a time to come in and sit down with Doug and myself. We are retirement planners, we are fiduciaries, and we're retirement income certified professionals with that certification. 336-391-3409. We're about to go to break, and as we always do before break, it's time for the Wealth Guardians Weekly Trivia question. It's time for the Wealth Guardians Trivia Question of the Week. All right, Doug, I have been waiting a long time to ask this trivia question. Uh-oh. I've had this on my calendar for a while. Uh oh. This, we're on the radio station, so here, this is going to be a music oriented one. You know me and you know Garrett. We like our music. This rock and roll singer, songwriter, and guitarist has a birthday this week. He was born on March 30th, 1945. And to date, he is the only triple rock and roll Hall of Fame inductee. He's the only person to have been inducted three times. Who is he? Folks, let's see if we can stump Doug. We'll be right back after the break. This is Bryce Payne. With me is Doug Ray. The show is The Wealth Guardians, helping you retire the job and keep the paycheck. And this is 96.7 FM WTOB. 96.7 FM WTOB. You're listening to The Wealth Guardians with Doug Ray, helping you retire the job and keep the paycheck. I'm Bryce Payne along with Doug Ray. And in this segment, we're talking about how children become a part of the retirement discussion. So stick around for that. And thank you for sticking around through the break. I want to ask you a couple questions. Are you five to seven years from retirement? If you just answered yes to that, then I got a second question for you. Do you want to confirm that you're making the best decisions for your retirement? If you answered yes to that question as well, then I've got great news for you. Doug and I and Garrett here at the Wealth Guardians, we offer a no cost, no obligation, second review, so you can learn how to retire the job, yet keep the paycheck. 
We do financial planning. We're fiduciaries. We are retirement income certified professionals. And we would love to sit down with you and see what services and help we can provide in helping you retire the job and keep the paycheck. But you got to reach out to us, 336-391-3409. That's 336-391-3409. You can also visit us at thewealthguardians.com. Now, it's time to see if we stumped Doug with this week's trivia question. It's time to get Doug's best guess for the Wealth Guardians trivia question of the week. All right, Doug and Garrett, we ask you both this. This rock and roll singer, songwriter, guitarist has a birthday this week. He was born March 30th, 1945, and to this date, he is the only triple rock and roll Hall of Fame inductee. Who is he, Doug? Is he still alive? I don't know that I'm going to give you that answer <laughs> or not because that might tip you off. I Look, I'm just guessing here. Okay. Elvis Presley. Unfortunately, no, it is not Elvis Presley. And Garrett threw in his answer as well. Garrett was saying Paul McCartney and Garrett. But I will give you this, Garrett. Paul McCartney absolutely should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame three times. However, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame considers his solo work and his work with the Wings as the same thing. So there is not a third act that he's been involved with as far as the Rock and Roll considers it for him to be inducted a third time, though I disagree with that completely. The Wings should be their own their own group and would obviously be inducted on their own merits. The actual answer is... Eric Clapton. It is Eric Clapton's oh. birthday this week. He was inducted for the for Cream, his work with Cream, and his work with the Yardbirds, as well as his solo work. But if you're asking me again, a, uh, somebody who really loves their music, he should also be inducted for his work with Derek and the Dominoes and the single album that he did with... Oh, gosh, I can't think of the name now. Um, but the work that he did with Blind Faith as well should absolutely be in there. So he should be a five-time winner in my book. But anyway, happy birthday, Eric Clapton. I see you're on tour in Europe right now. I'm not going to get out there to see you. So let's go ahead, Doug, and get started here on our next topic. I'm sorry that we stumped you, and I'm sorry that we – I'm kind of glad that we stumped Garrett, actually. That was good. All right, let's talk about how children become a part of the retirement discussion. If you have kids – often they are going to come up in a retirement planning discussion that you might have with a professional. So we want to talk about some of the ways that those discussions play out and the role that your advisor should play in navigating these conversations and the overall impact on you and your family's financial goals. So Doug, the first way that your children or the subject of your children would come up in retirement planning conversation would be around college expenses. We see this frequently. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, because you think that, uh, well, you know, your kids are going to college when you're still working in your 40s or something like that. But a lot of times what we're seeing is, is folks come in with grandkids who they will either want to start a savings plan for, yeah. for their college, yeah. or maybe there's a situation where, you know, their children can't, for whatever reason, afford to send the grandkids to college. That's right. Then sometimes there's a situation where their own kids have decided, hey, we need a career change. We need to go back to college to study something different. And boom, all of a sudden, here you are planning for retirement, and now there's another college expense ahead of you. 
Yes. That's the hardest one, I think. You think that's the hardest one? Yeah. yeah. I, I see uh, topics along this line is really what sets apart a financial planner and investment advisor. An investment advisor isn't going to delve into topics like this. And there's a whole bunch of topics besides just how children become a part of the retirement discussion. But this is really, in my, my idea, what uh, separates an investment advisor from a financial planner. Uh, I learned early on in this business, I was told early on, and, and I, I see the truth in it, that don't let your goal or desire for funding your children or your grandchildren's college expenses get in the way of your own retirement planning. Somebody is always going to prefer to be responsible for their own college education than be responsible for their parents' or their grandparents' retirement. So make sure if you are helping fund your your kids' or your grandkids' college expenses, do not do that at the detriment of your own retirement planning. And that would be where a retirement planner can really help you uncover how much can you contribute or help contribute to uh, a family member's college savings without it being detrimental to your own retirement savings. So that is a key one right there. I totally agree with that. The next one, Doug trouble with the job market and i know we've got a really interesting job market out there now but that can play into how financially responsible you might be end, end up being for your kids you know we, we went through the great recession we had that job market uh, issue going on uh, now we have the covid job market issue it's still not completely oh, resolved not even close not even close uh, so, yeah, this, we, we see a lot of times now where our clients who are retired, they have a child who, you know, mid-career uh, either got laid off or whatever reason, changed jobs, and now they're back home. and Or they need some kind of financial bridge from mom yes. and dad. Yes. It's quite common. It is. And you want to make sure that you are – identifying that or that we as professionals we we try to identify that potential situation right off the bat at our first meeting the discovery meeting that we have during our planning process one of the questions we ask is do you expect to care for a parent or a child in the future? And we can extend that to grandchildren as well. That's becoming more common, unfortunately. Uh, we actually have a client uh, right now who is not only housing and paying for his son, which wasn't in his uh, goals or objectives uh, years ago, and he's in retirement, but he's also now, get this, he's also now paying for helping sustain his son's girlfriend who is also living with them, and she's out of work. Oh, wow. So you know that that wasn't in part of the plan, and we just sat down with him for an annual review, and we made some adjustments based on that. Obviously, your expenses go up. Um, there's a lot of things that can change on that, and um, what your legacy goals might be uh, another one on, on that, how that changes if your kid is just never able to get out of the house himself. It might change your thoughts on what you want to provide for them, or maybe do you want to skip that generation and go straight to the grandkids. Sometimes that happens. And grandkids is our third topic mm -hmm. under how children become part of the retirement discussion. This one brings to mind the client who uh – now is taking care of a grandchild, uh, never expected to do so, but it's because their child uh, ran afoul of uh, a drug addiction. Yes. And um, this happens, unfortunately, uh, all too often in our society. Right. But here they are, uh, retired, and they have a uh, almost teenage uh, grandchild that they're basically parenting. 
Yes, yes. And the one that you just mentioned, and we'll mention kind of a bit of more an extreme case that we've had recently where we sat down with somebody who is guardian. He and his wife are guard, they're retired and have been retired, but he came to see a financial planner for the first time because he didn't need one. He didn't feel until the situation arose. He is now, they are now guardians of three great grandchildren mm-hmm. believe it or not and we were actually really able to help him out because we identified that he is able with a few legal maneuvers he is able to receive social security from his great grandchildren because he is going to be legal guardian yeah. of them not just uh, not just watching over them but a legal guardian of them and that was something he was not aware of until he sat down with us yep. so that was a great way to uh, a great benefit of him having sat down with a professional. And Bryce, you know, speaking of Social Security, if you're out there and you are coming up on filing age, age 62, or if you've already filed and you're not 70 yet, we have a workshop coming up for you. It's in April. It will be Thursday, April the 21st at 630, Tuesday, April the 26th. It is our famous Social Security workshop. That's where you're going to find out things about spousal benefits, divorce spousal benefits. You'll find out uh, things about how to delay taking your benefits so that you can get those 7 8% delay credits, plus cost of living adjustments. Last year's COLA was 5.8%, I believe it was. And they've already identified, haven't they, what the next one is going it's to be? It's going to probably be, be bigger than that. Well, I, I may be wrong, but I heard it was close to 10%. It's I going to don't be doubt it a bit. It hasn't been approved yet, but that's the number they're floating out there. If you're, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Wealth Guardians, and we're talking about how children become a part of the retirement discussion. And we were just mentioning our Social Security workshop coming up. But, Doug, let's go into the next category here on how children become part of the retirement discussion, and that's special needs. Mm. There are a lot of things that can be done if you have a child who has special needs or a grandchild who has special needs. Obviously, you want to make sure that they are protected after you're gone. Yep. And a special needs child cannot take care of themselves. So that becomes really a matter of estate planning, Doug, and there's some certain things. We're not estate planners ourselves, but we know when we need to send somebody to an estate planner. Yeah, we do, and especially in a case like that, you know, you probably need to set up a special needs trust for that child. Exactly. Uh, but that uh, that definitely brings in uh, a lot of uh, detailed extra retirement planning that uh, most people don't need. Uh, we've got a few cases like that that we work with, and, um, you know, it's uh, – it's tough for the for that parent, uh, you know, to to have to basically be a parent the rest of their life. Yes, and, yes, and uh, beyond that, beyond their life, they mm-hmm. know that they're still, in a sense, responsible for their child if they can't take care of themselves even after they're gone. And when when we have seen those cases come in here, that is their biggest concern. That is their most the biggest thing that they want to make sure that they've got their I's dotted and their T's crossed is have we done everything that we can, whether it's saving or setting up tax shelters, to make sure that our son or our daughter is going to be okay, that someone's going to be there to look after them even after we're gone. That's the biggest concern, and there are ways to do that. And again, you want to make sure that you are, um, you're passing on whatever assets, your legacy, in the most tax-efficient way that you can. We can help you figure out the ways to do that and if you qualify for doing that in certain ways. Doug, we've got time for one more quick one here, general wealth. 
for families who want to be intentional about uh, creating a financial legacy, there needs to be a substantial discussion about what that looks like and how to do it as tax efficiently as possible. Taxes are a huge part of our conversation in retirement planning. We want to help you make sure that you're obviously paying Uncle Sam what you're obligated to, but that you're not paying them a dollar more than you have to. And kids can factor into that and how you pass your wealth down from one generation to the next. There's ways to do that. So whatever they inherit is as little tax burden to them as possible. Do you have anything to add on that one, Doug? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a definitely uh, something serious to consider, especially if you have a, a business. You know, in my situation, we just brought my son into this business. Eventually, he obviously is going to be the heir apparent. And, you know, there's there's uh, proper ways to take a family business and turn it over to the next generation. That has to be something that's uh, carefully thought out. Uh, you certainly don't want to thrust it upon them right away. Uh, they have to learn and grow into the business. And then there's the financial obligation as well on that side of it. So lot, lots to talk about uh, when passing on a, a family legacy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've been listening to The Wealth Guardians. We thank you for joining us this week. This is Bryce Payne. With me is Doug Ray. The show is The Wealth Guardians, helping you retire the job and keep the paycheck. And this is 96.7 FM WTOB.